Hello everybody, it's Fight Club Hobbs, and welcome to another episode of GVN Live. With me is Mark B. and Keith. Uh, we will start in that order. Gentlemen, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm good. You're good? I I'm in sunny Hyrule right now, so I can't complain. That That's very good. How's the weather? I mean, aside from sunny. It's uh, sunny. Um, there's no sign of any uh, Bacobins or Moblins uh, walking around, so uh, that's uh, that's always a plus. Um, and oh my God, there comes a spider! Yep, don't do that. Spiders suck. But anyway, so and uh, Keith, uh, besides Zelda, have you been playing anything else on your Switch lately? I am actually curious to know. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the extreme basic bitch of the Nintendo Switch. You know it's true because it rhymes. Um, no, I have not. If anything, I did want to get that um, the one game that we were looking at, the uh, the Eternal Atsuna. I am Setsuna. Yeah, I am Setsuna. I really wanted to get that. That looked uh, really good, and I saw it online for like fifty five bucks. I just got to uh, save my pennies right now. But if anything, I'm thinking of uh, putting Zelda down just for a little bit and picking up a uh, Horizon again, to be honest with you. But I'm really just enjoying Zelda, to be honest with. You. Yeah, uh, I actually picked up a physical copy of I Am Setsuna. That um, I think right now that is my favorite game on the uh, Switch. I know it's available on the uh, PS3. But uh, something about it is very, uh, very familiar. I mean, it is a very, it is like a traditional JRPG in a sense. And obviously, I mean, some games uh, I actually prefer. Like, uh, I do prefer J uh, traditional JRPGs, including the ones with the active time battle bar and all that stuff, opposed to like the newer JRPGs that have been coming out lately. Um, that's probably going to be something we'll sort of kind of touch on in. Uh, in a completely different topic we were going to have uh, laid out for uh, for everyone later tonight. Uh, Mark, um, we all know what you're doing, but please uh, tell us what it is and how good it is. Um, Well, at the moment, in between listening to you guys prattle on about bullshit, <laughs> I, am, I am playing a game. <laughs> and, of course, um, what is that game? Persona 5. And is no. it damn good? It is. It is pretty damn good. It is. It is pretty damn good. I mean, why do you think normally? Nick's not the, uh, thing? <laughs> yeah, normally when I'm when I'm recording with you guys, I kind of like to try to give you a certain degree of attention, you know, like for for involved <laughs> conversations and whatnot. And like, no offense, but no. Uh, today, today it's Persona Five, and like I'm just listening to you guys while I'm playing that. Oh. At least, at least you had the heart to come and join us, sort of. He's here in spirit as well. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm, pretty here, I'm just like we're... not here much. It, it pretty much is that if you mess up pubs, he's gonna yell at you, and if I mess up, he'll just say, "Eh, whatever." I'm gonna play Persona Five. I think he'll. I, no, you know what? He's never called you out before. Maybe, uh, maybe you're due. Maybe. Uh, anyway, so uh, if you notice, Emily is missing today. She is down in sunny Florida. She attended WrestleMania the other night, and she had a ball. 
Uh, she's going to be there all week, so we will hopefully see her in uh, the next show in a couple of weeks. Um, not much really to talk about news-wise, other than the fact that in our first topic of conversation, something did happen. That's uh, a longtime company for third-party peripherals has uh, filed for bankruptcy and has now ceased to exist. That is, of course, Mad Cats. Um, Mad Cats is a company that actually was founded in the uh, late 80s, and that is the first time I actually managed to uh, learn that it's best to trust only first-party products at that point in time, (laughs) because let's be honest, uh, there were so many companies at that point in the late 80s, early 90s, that were jumping on the bandwagon of creating alternative products to, you know, for controllers, peripherals, add-ons, memory cards, you know, stuff like Game Genie and Game Shark, all that wonderful stuff. And more often than not, um, let's just say quality varied greatly. Yes, it did. I mean, if anything, working at GameStop, I could say this much is that we sold all those freaking horrible, horrible third-party products and... I never bought them, so pretty much as as far as Mad Cats is, I was never too much of a huge fan of theirs. Uh, so I'm not like I didn't want to see them go out of business. Apparently, they were starting to get more so into like uh, computers and whatnot, as far as keyboards, gaming mice, and I never had a Trident um, headset, but I never felt the need for it. So, so but, yeah, sorry. go on, go on. No, I was going to say is that, like, those third-party things were just, like, they friggin' varied, and you never really found that good one. And if anything, I would see people return them constantly because they were fucking shit for the, long, for the longest time. Yeah. Um, in fact, Mad Cats continued on throughout the 90s with, with all kinds of varied uh, quality products. Third-party, uh, the ones I played with mostly were on... The uh, Nintendo 64 and the original NES. The Nintendo 64 was the first time I just said, you know what, no more third-party controllers. Because at that point, I actually had money that I could spend. Uh, I did the best I could to just, like, every time when I had a Dreamcast, it was real hard not to buy a third-party controller because, oh my god, it was like, when the Dreamcast first came out, it was kind of, I had, I had you know, the system at launch, I had one controller. $9.99, baby. That's right. I have my Funko Land card here somewhere, actually. Um, but I, uh, I, I actually, you know, I wanted to get four controllers, you know, just for the hell of it. But uh, at the time, it was kind of hard to get a hold of controllers, even though Sega did uh, ship them out regularly. People were buying them up for the first uh, few months of the system's lifespan. Uh, and the only thing that was available were these really, really horrendous controllers that were put out by multiple people. There was Mad Cats being one of them, and I think they were the one that had kind of a pseudo six-button-faced, uh, or six-faced button layout on the, uh, controller, and it did not work whatsoever because of how awkward it felt. The D-pad was horrendous. Uh, did they have, like, that rapid-fire button or whatever the hell, or, like, the auto macro lock or something? Yeah, along those but however, top? however, during the Dreamcast uh, era, they did do one thing right, and that was the, the, the light gun that they had for the Dreamcast. That thing was, that was pretty comfortable. It worked, it was the Starfire, or, no, 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 that was not Mad Cats. I'm sorry, I will take that back, actually. <laughs> Track that! Mark, why aren't you yelling at him right now? No, it, to be it, fair, I I have a gun for the Dreamcast. I honest to Christ don't know who made it. 
Yeah, see, it's easy to forget uh, who who made the light gun because Sega made their own as well, but it was never brought over. But then there was two companies that made a third that uh, that made unofficial guns for the system. One of them looked just like the Dreamcast one, so I think that's the Mad Cats one right there. And then they had yeah. another one which was Inter Star or something like that. That uh, well, re- made the, uh, the more Cat common one, one. because it had that horrible yellow label on the side. I remember that. Yeah, there was that, and uh, mm, somewhere around the late '90s, early 2000s, Mad Cats started to uh, get into different kinds of like software as opposed to the hardware side of things. They actually acquired uh, Game Shark who pretty much had a good foothold in the video game market at that point, up until about, you know, the Xbox 360 and PS3 came out, in which case, oh, you can't use that crap anymore. (laughs) I always kind of, I always understood in a broad sense why that was the way that it was, because, you know, you started having games that were, the majority of them were online-based. So you're kind of in a position where you don't want people playing online with, equipment that potentially allows them to to modify the experience or cheat which is you know why you're starting to see like more and more cracking down and banning of hackers things like that oh yeah game shark would just be a a version of hacking essentially that said it's really depressing that we're kind of in a position where you know like the cheat the cheat tools that we used to use like the code modifiers the game sharks Mm. and the game genies game and whatnot genies, yep. mm-hmm. are are literally just not an option anymore because of how things are set up. Yeah, and like you were saying about the hacking and all that stuff, when the Xbox 360 first came out, one of the biggest selling points about it in terms of like a community dick ego thing was the uh, the gamer score, and they definitely, I guess, Microsoft took steps to keep people from modifying it. Although they have found means of you know doing it on your computer by altering your score and all that stuff through the heart, the Xbox 360's hard drive, um, which was by no ease, by no means very easy, but, like, companies like GameShark and, I guess... What about uh, Action Replay? Action Re- yeah, Action Replay uh, was just, had to go to the wayside, and they're, they're gone, and I think that was one of the first big hits that Mad Cats took, uh, outside of you know them filing for bankruptcy uh, a couple days ago of this podcast, so let's just say moving on from their first big failure, which was you know the loss of you know having Game Shark for any particular reason, they uh, eventually got this deal. I mean with uh, with Capcom because they uh, around 2008 Street Fighter Four came out and they licensed some official. Uh, third-party arcade sticks and game pads, and for whatever reason, they went. People went crazy for them, and they uh, they continued to be a mainstay for Mad Cats for many years. Uh, now, I wanted to get a friend of mine uh, on the stream today, but he wasn't available because he is extremely busy, and I don't think he had the time to even answer me back. Uh, that was my friend Mark Man, who who actually used to be employed at Mad Cats. Um, and I wanted to get his take on like what the business side of uh, Mad Cats was going through, but from what I can understand, uh, Mad Cats like they they finally you know got it right with their third part with their their, their arcade sticks. Um, the quality you know again varied because they had different variations coming out for every game. Like they had the TE stick, they had the TE two stick, the Street Fighter four uh, stick. Um, they had you know 
all kinds, and, and some people think it's just the, the, the faceplate, the faceplate, or the decorations of the arcade stick is what's changed. No, some of it was mostly the internals and how stable they were and all that stuff that uh, well, allowed the stick to be, you know, of good quality in most at most respects. Uh, you were going to say something, Keith? Well, I was going to say, if anything, as far as, like, the fight sticks are concerned, third-party ones, I've always gone for Hori. So when I actually used the Madcats one, it was pretty – it was decent because, like I said, that's when I really started using any sort of Madcats stuff was uh, with the Street Fighter Four fight stick. Yeah. Or Bud. Yeah, there's Hori, who is uh, who is probably, in my opinion, yeah, one of the best arcade stick makers out there. And then you have all these other little companies out there that supply parts and whatnot that allow you to build your own arcade stick. So, I mean, that market was growing uh, thanks to the resurgence of fighting games um, after their mm-hmm. dormant break uh, in the uh, better part of the 2000s leading up to Street Fighter IV's release. Now, another thing that pretty much happened was, like, after a time, um, you know, esports started to spring up uh, after, you know, Street Fighter came out, but not in the fighting game league. It was more along the lines of, you know, PC gaming and stuff like that. They were starting to slowly build up, you know, with with, uh, oh. with the StarCraft and, C- and Counter-Strike, Halo, and all of those were, you know, leagues were starting to yeah. form. They were starting to build, and the FGC was... Uh, was 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 nowhere in the way, uh, nowhere anywhere close to even approaching something like that at this point in time, uh, until years later. Mad Cats, um, for whatever it was worth, saw some kind of potential in the growth of the FGC, and actually, you know, stuck with them. They ended up there was a uh, major league. If anybody remembers this MLG, the uh, the the pro circuit major that came league out, gaming. With, yeah, from uh, a year, few years ago or several years ago actually, and they. Uh, produced they were pretty much a sponsor for that unfortunately uh, i think it uh, the 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 mlg is uh, has shut down i believe i can i don't remember yeah uh, they they they've been gone the mlg mlg has been way gone and everybody is thankful for it because <laughs> they've got so much better leagues yeah there there are so many better leagues right now and um uh, another one of acquisitions that uh, madcats did after a while and it was actually a better uh thing for them than what uh, GameShark turned out to be, and that was the uh, the acquisition of Triton, which was a set of, like, headsets that, uh, you know, were pretty much used for, like, you know, tournaments or, you know, um, broadcasting and whatnot. You just pretty much, you it's kind of like a box that, was, that had a splitter built into it, so you could plug in two kinds of headsets, so each player can wear that, and then you had another out- audio output, so you can, like, you know, capture it. I, I don't know if it's optical or digital. I, I'm not sure. Never had a Triton. If anything, I'm, I've I'm seen them at tournaments, and I keep looking at them. And I, I was thinking about buying one because I'm I was looking into the uh, concept of possibly streaming at tournaments, but mm, it just never happened. Uh, and, and then of course, technology has gotten better ever since. <laughs> and now, unfortunately, um, you know, after all these acquisitions and whatnot. Um, as of last year, actually, uh, Madcats had to lay off like a good third of their uh, workforce because uh, they actually had to. Ba- they were banking on the success of the new rock band, and they supplied the peripherals for that because they had. They were the ones licensed to uh, make the the. Uh, the, womp, womp. <laughs> the yeah, and uh, it. Yeah, we all know how well uh, Rock Band Four did. So. Ugh. 
it, it they, they they took a big hit off of that, and unfortunately, a year later, it looks like they uh, they have now filed for bankruptcy, and there's possibly no wet chance that Mad Cats is going to survive or even resurge unless somebody buys all the assets and rebrands himself as Mad Cats or something like that. So. Outside, I don't even know who the hell would want to buy them is the more opposing question. Well, I mean, think about it this way. How many companies have, video game companies, in the past 20 years have gone out of business only to have their assets, or at least their name, uh, acquired? Uh, we had At- Infograms bought the Atari name. We had, uh, crap. <sighs> no, I, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, there was... A lot of the smaller companies get bought up for parts and then like yeah. pretty much they make a huge they'll make one good game then all of a sudden they come back like Atari, yeah, like, like yeah and, and then there's a claim which was bought by some asian company which was rebranded as an mmo uh, a free-to-play mmo company and they 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 they, they, they kicked the bucket as well but like i yeah i i should have probably wrote down these uh, company names because now there's like a bunch of them that are at the tip of my tongue and i can't say it for some reason but anyway outside of obviously that big hit uh, from uh, from the Rock Band 4 uh, debacle, there was obviously a small slowdown in sales when it came to their arcade sticks because, in my opinion, I think people are... I mean, the, the FGC has grown. I mean, if you, you only have to look at how popular Street Fighter V was in its first year and how big the last couple of Evos have been just to get a sense that there's a lot of people there. Um, that are playing this, and a lot of them carry arcade sticks. But I think it's the fact that that now there's there's more arcade stick com- competitors out there. We have uh, 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 Razor. We have you know we still have uh, uh, Hori. Uh oh. Uh oh. I lost them. Hold on, people. Uh, okay, so anyway, guys, just hold on with me for a second while I try and get a hold of them one more time. Hello, gentlemen. I have no idea what just happened. I was just talking to you, and you guys all dis- disappeared. I God think damn it, it Robert. I didn't do anything. Oh, well, apparently, uh, we dropped the connection by accident. Mm. Both your connections froze and then disconnected. Well, well, I saw the same thing. I, I mean, it looks like <laughs> Keith was uh, was listening in on me. But anyway, so what was the last thing you heard me say, Keith? Uh, we were talking about um, the acquisitions and the different companies from that and pretty much uh, stripping them for parts and re-getting the names and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, okay. So in regards to that, I was talking about how, yeah, there was all these acquisitions and whatnot and there's these companies that... Uh... Ah, crap. <laughs> Let's see here. Does that work? Kind of, sort of, not really. Ah, I got to fix that later. But anyway, as I was saying, the acquisitions, uh, you know, there's the potential that somebody could acquire the Mad Cat's name and, you know, bring them back out of, uh, you know, purgatory or whatnot. But anyway, as I was was saying, well, everyone was... uh, suddenly disconnected from the conversation that there is also um some other i think reasons as to why i think mad cats has bit the bullet i think sales have been slow to be truthfully honest for the most part 
uh, for the last few years, uh, outside of the uh, you know the 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 Guitar Hero Four debacle, there was um, well, let's put it this way: there's a whole lot more competition in the arcade in the uh, the arcade stick scene. I mean, we got uh, Quanba, we've got Razor. We of course you st- you still have that other company you were mentioning about earlier. Hori. Hori. Yeah. So, like, it, 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 a lot of people are offering now arcade sticks with which what they claim to be uh, better quality. Oh, absolutely. And but the thing is that also Matcats doesn't have any marketing too to the, a lot of the stuff that they had. If anything, like you said, they have all these PC stuff. But then you have the bigger competition such as Razer and such as Logitech and everything along those lines. I don't really think that any of them would really be willing to like acquisition them. They really don't have anything innovative to really acquisition for it. Well, I think there might be something of value to somebody out there. I mean, hell, when uh, Nvi- when, when Nvidia when when Nvidia uh, eventually took over uh, as one of the leading markets for 3D graphics cards, I mean, they acquired in uh, the 3DFX uh, company and uh, acquisitioned them because I mean, they had some great quality products. The problem was is they 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 had competition. I mean, you still had Diamond out there. You have uh, AMD that was slowly growing. Uh, you had AT, ATI. I mean, you had all these people that were coming in, that were uh, you know in a growing market, and the same it's the same thing in regards to what's happening right now uh, with the arcade stick market. And unfortunately, it, it, it there was just no way for uh, Madcats apparently to uh, you know recover so, from this. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> well, look. Let's let's start with the most obvious thing. Just from what you guys have said. I don't feel like I'm in a minority viewpoint here when I say Mad Cats was not very good at making hardware in general. Mm. And now they may have gotten better at doing it from a fighting game perspective, but you're talking about a marketplace that for the limited demographic that it has is grossly oversaturated. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You in, in the fighting game community in specific, that's, a cutthroat market that is a heavily competitive market where you are one of about 30 different companies actively competing for the two to four million bodies that are occupying it and uh, look i don't care how great mad cats's equipment was getting you're not going to do better than hori was doing you're just not no you were not you might be able to interest people in your equipment as it relates to the economic fighting game player. You're not going to get anybody that actually wants top shelf shit. You're just it's not gonna happen. So that brings us to everything else Mad Cat's made. Here's the thing. Mad Cat's might have made some great fighting game peripherals. I have some of the PlayStation 2 controllers that they made that were good. Everything else that Mad Cat's made was absolute fucking dog shit. Dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking yes. all the way up to the far, to the Rock Band 4 uh, peripherals. The Rock Band 4 guitar that I got with Rock Band 4, which would be the fourth iteration of the fucking controller, because Mad Cats has been developing the damn things pretty much since Jump, came broken out of the goddamn box, which is the same condition I have gotten every single fucking Rock Band guitar I have ever bought. End <laughs> sentence, period. Mad Cats is fucking awful as a hardware developer because one broken guitar is an anomaly. Four broken guitars, your company sucks. I'd say it's just pure <laughs> fucking talent right there. Yep. I have never bought a good piece of Mad Cats 
peripheral hardware in my life. And that, the Rock Band equipment, was the only place that they had anything that they could work with competitively. That was the only place they had a hope in hell of doing anything with. That said, <laughs> that said, most likely what will happen is either Harmonix will probably invest in them because Rock Band is still something that they're backing at this point, or whoever's going to eventually pick up the contract will invest in them to the extent that they will pick up whatever intellectual property exists as it relates to <clears throat> the designs of the guitar, the designs of the drums, the designs of the microphones, and so on and so on and so on. That's the only logical reason anybody would pick up Mad Cats at this point, because they have no hardware in circulation that is a must-have. Like, this isn't, this isn't a company that had one piece of must-have hardware and just wasn't able to sell enough of it where a larger company could increase the scope or whatever. Like, this isn't Red Octane, you know, mm -hmm. where you could see somebody wanting to buy them because of stuff that they did. This is, like, they have nothing. They, they have nothing to offer anybody except for the schematics of the Rock Band stuff. And to be honest, you might not even, even see somebody lacking. acquire them at that point because, you know, Harmonix may just, may just shop it to another company and just hand over the designs to them. It's very possible Mad Cats may just die and that nobody will be bothered trying to pay money for any of their... Assets. <sighs> assets, copyrights, trademarks, etc., so on, yeah. Yep. Titles. <laughs> that is that is an unfortunate truth right there. I mean, even though there is unfortunately is some... Is it unfortunate, though? Is it really unfortunate? No, People lost like, lives. I, I, I saw like, it in, a, in a broad sense, I do absolutely understand that, you know, <laughs> it sucks to see people lose their jobs and things of that nature, but <sighs> if they didn't want to lose their jobs, maybe they should have been good at developing hardware. Like, I hate to be that guy, but you had literally one job. Develop <laughs> hardware that works. And you couldn't get that right. <laughs> you failed yes. at life. Good day, sir. <laughs> so now that's... Well, let's look at it this way. There is now one less competitor in the third-party peripheral uh, market. So, and again, let's, let's put it this way. This is probably my favorite controller right here for fighting games. This little Hori Fighting Commander. Um, they have Lowe's all over the place on Amazon. They have different, they have like what, five models of that crap now. And they're of, they're of high, the, of the highest quality I've actually ever held for a uh, third party peripheral. And then of course you got other companies like, uh, crap, 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 crap. Why Who is made the, uh, the Pokin, um, tournament fighting stick? I that was, yeah. that was Mad Cats, I thought. No. Or was, was that, was, that, or was that Hori? I can't, I can't remember now. But anyway, but yeah, now you have all these companies, let's say the third party peripheral companies like Razer, who what? don't who aren't they're not the only thing they're not they're not just focusing on arcade sticks. They make arcade they make keyboards, they make head headset gears, they make all kinds of stuff that's pretty much centered around the gamer in, in that in a way that it's useful. I mean they have mechanical keyboards which are loud as hell, but they, they apparently they're very they they're they work very well for uh, certain gamers. And then you have of course they have two they have game pads that uh, which look kind of awkward but from what people have told me they're kind of comfortable and they work pretty well as well. And then you have Quamba, uh, I think that's actually the, the name of the parts company uh, that uh, they that supply all their parts for people who want to make arcade sticks or even uh, somebody like Hori who actually I think uses their parts and whatnot. Then you have all the numerous uh, websites out there that offer their own parts 
for you to make your own pads and all that and all that stuff. And it's it's uh, it's it's just a really flooded market now for 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 this one little thing uh, of like you know the niche genre of fighting games. I will say this much though: their stuff looks cool, but the whole thing is like Mark said, they're fucking shit. Yeah. I would say right now, to be truthfully honest, if you're looking at a company that you really want a third-party product from, the only per- company I can really recommend from, aside from, let's say, just a niche market like Hori, I would definitely say Logitech. They're they're literally the king of the market right now. Um, even though their quality also varies depending on what you get, like whether it's a, uh, a USB-enabled uh, driving um, wheel or, you know, the... the, uh, the if anybody remembers them, the little the the, uh, the joysticks for flight uh, simulators and whatnot. I mean, they they make it all, and they've been in this game for about 15, 20 years almost. So it, it's it's a really uh, and, and to be truthfully honest, I don't know why Mad Cats didn't try expanding out instead of keeping themselves in like niche markets. Because again, look at it, Rock Band is a niche market. You're only going to get like one a couple million people who are going to buy that stuff, and if it's shit you're going to lose that big market. You're going to lose that uh, dedicated uh, uh, that dedicated fan base right there. You you keep putting out, you keep making only arcade sticks. I mean, you're, you're relying on a, you're putting your entire economic model uh, on on the wings of hope that this is going to sustain you for years. And it, it honestly, it showed that it did not. Oh. You got something, Keith? I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I don't have anything. Is pretty much is that like Mark said that it's kind of sad to see any company go out of business, but their stuff wasn't that wasn't that good, so it's kind of not really a shocker for it. And then, like you said, is that you have these bigger companies like Logitech, and if anything, Razer's starting to develop a lot more stuff as well for it, so they're pretty well onto the market as well. When you have all these competitors that are making good quality products and you kind of are failing short to do something that's just simple, I think it's kind of a no-brainer eventually. All right. So uh, any final thoughts on the matter, uh, Mark? Do you have anything? I do not, actually. Oh, okay. Well, then how about you, Keith, or did you already share the final thoughts? <laughs> uh, pretty much that is my, my final thoughts right. is that, you know what, we're sorry, it sucks, but... Uh, Better luck in uh, your next battle there, Mad Cats. Yep. So now we are concluding that. We are moving on to our next uh, topical discussion. This is going to be a short episode because, quite frankly, I want to go see uh, the Raw after WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, anyway, our next topic of conversation, and this is something I talked about with Keith at our last Game Jam session. Uh, by the way, he is going to be coming back, so Yay! stay tuned for uh, more zany antics. Uh this is a conversation about the evolution of niche of the of the niche game, uh, primarily the uh, the JRPGs and uh, how they have evolved from you know back in the '90s and current uh, the current gen. So, start off. I mean, let's take a look uh, back at the 1990s um, in regards to the niche RPG. Niche JRPGs. I mean, back then there wasn't really a whole lot of, let's say, strategy RPGs. I mean, you did have the Shining Force franchise. You had games like Bahamut Lagoon and uh, Fire Emblem, and those games weren't brought over, with the exception of maybe uh, Shining Force. So you had a company by the name of Working Tactics Designs, Joker. huh? Tactics. Yeah, Tactics. Well, yeah, you had Tactics Yoga again. So there we go. We have our first like niche 
genre right there. I mean, you also had Romancing the Three Kingdoms. Uh, I don't yeah. know if any of those came over. I, I can't remember, but I know that there was a lot of those, and I think they started back on the NES. But we have already established like a niche genre right there, and really nobody besides Sega was really bringing anything over. Now, if you look over when the Sega CD first came out, you had working designs just come out of nowhere. They were publishing games that most people probably wouldn't give a second, wouldn't even give a shot at. Like, you had the Lunar franchise, you had Vi, you had Popful Mail. I mean, you had all these, like, off-the-wall games that pretty much, you know, probably aren't going to contend with Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest, or Fantasy Star. Uh, because, I mean, even in their, even in Japan, they were a niche they had a niche crowd. They had a small, dedicated fan base, and they just—crap! Uh, I'm trying. To <laughs> they just—they well, just—they couldn't develop a, fo- a big following like those other games could. And Working Designs, you know, took that chance and started bringing those games over. And again, they developed a a, fo- a small cult following for some of these games, thus establishing the you know the niche games. And uh, as 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 time grew went on through the '90s. We had, you know, the, the flood of RPGs come over. We had the JRPG, which, let's be honest, it was the standard at that point. It was Final Fantasy at that point. Yeah, thanks to Final Fantasy VII. So now, because of their popularity, more game companies, besides Working Designs, was now willing to try and bring their games over. I mean, Working Designs was still bringing stuff over, like Ark of the Lad, the Lunar remakes, uh, Alundra. Uh, you had games like Grand Stream Saga, Rhapsody, uh... Shining the Holy Ark. You had all kinds of different types of uh, RPGs coming out. Even even Soikoden. Uh Just pretty much all these unique, different range of RPGs. Dragon um, Quest. And then, of course, now we had another. But now these were no longer like niche. These were more like almost going into the mainstream. Even though they were having cult followings, they were still kind of like a mainstream. Like RPGs, people really wanted to get into them now. Um, not as much as let's say you know like a a good. 2D side scroller or 3D action game at, at the time. Um, now, in the late 90s, I would say a new genre of uh, games emerged, which was the Western RPG. I can't remember what the first game was that was like. I, w- I would like to say maybe the uh, Elder Scrolls franchise was like amongst the first of Western RPGs to uh, arrive back on, you know, the old DOS days with Elder Scrolls Arena and uh, uh, Daggerfall open-world games, sandbox games, that people were able to go out and do what they want. but And that was more of, like, a niche game in the way. But now... What would you say about, like, Ultima and stuff like that there, Hubs? Oh, I would say, because... I would say that's more in the uh, the CRPG range. Uh, those were still, I would say, definitely a, a niche. Uh, but they were more of a heavily... One of the most influential genres I can think of. In regards to like you know influencing everybody else that makes RPGs, I mean Ultima is one of the oldest RPG franchises on the planet. To be truthfully honest, it started in the mid '80s, if I recall. Yep. Um, and uh, like I said, like the Western RPG was starting up uh, out in the in the uh, mid to late '80s. And now, if you go into let's say the the mid 2000s, around let's say about the time Fable came out, when Morrowind came out, suddenly, you know, the Western RPG was starting to take hold. It was getting more popular. And as the new systems were coming out, like the Xbox 360 and the PS3, they were becoming to be less and less 
of this G of the JRPGs uh, coming over, even being developed because them too were they were evolving as well. Because the as as some companies like Square Enix were saying, like the taste of the gamer was evolving, so they were going off and they were experimenting with starting. I would to say with Final Fantasy X-2. I mean, that was still like a JRPG-ish in a way, but they were trying new things, like with the job system, which is something they, they, they have messed around with in multiple other Final Fantasies. They have Final Fantasy XII, which was kind of like... A well, I think Final Fantasy XII was more so of them trying to evolve their taste. Ten two, they added the job system, but I think that they were trying to just be more poppy, if anything, if you ask, in my personal opinion. Trying to appeal to an audience that's probably starting to wean away from them. And then, you know, you had 13 and you had the MMORPGs and all that stuff that were, you know, the, the big boom of the MMORPGs happened. And now, as you look at it, the traditional JRPG has now become the niche game yep. standard rpgs you know it, and it seems like that's still a market there's still a marketplace for this i mean you still have companies like atlas and uh well i mean Sega. mark is playing a niche rpg right he, now he I is mean, he is playing persona and that is that's that's one of those strongest niche rpgs out or uh, one of those the strongest franchises out there for the for the genre and then you know you do have let's say a company like square enix who is who still recognize it and they're kind of making their own niche games like they had the bravely default they had the bravely default uh, bravely second games um i am setsuna is very much <laughs> a, a, a callback to uh yesteryear uh of the classic like rpgs that was my cell phone by the way if you were okay, wondering so like, like why did i hear meows yes my text messages is a meow it drives people nuts okay. and i love it um okay Oh god! And you know what? I'm gonna have to disable that now. It's gonna drive me nuts. Anyway, so Rude. like, so it wasn't just you know. Let's say now. I know I was just talking about how games have evolved and they they kind of swapped places in regards of becoming a uh, uh, a niche RPG. But now we also have like let's say the niche genre itself and like what games are considered niches and who brings them over has completely changed. Gone are the days where like it was like a couple of publishers that were bringing games over. Now we have not just games companies like Xseed and Atlas, Sega bringing these games over. Now we have companies, you know, smaller companies who are doing this of their own by publishing like directly to Steam or the Xbox Live Arcade or PSN uh, that are they're pretty much are allowing these games to actually have a much bigger presence to be, you know, noticed. I mean, they're not, let's say, selling well. They're not gathering the attention they, they, that they, they're hoping for, but they're still in that niche market. They're still getting their cult followings and stuff like that. Um, I want to say, I'm trying to think of a game, but there's so many at this point that I, I really have a hard time trying to focus on one. But anyway, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on what I said, and maybe you might actually... Uh, uh, have a better explanation for what I did. So, uh, I was gonna say, be able to turn that to something that makes sense. Yeah, because I am, I have, I'm, I'm, hor I'm horrible with my words. So, uh, how about we start with you, Mark? Please turn my babble into something intelligent. Well, this is this is directly, I think, inspired by the conversation we were having. It is when actually we were doing the game jam. Game jam for I, lunar. Too many titles. Too many titles. Um. Mm -hmm. The, I feel like this is directly inspired by that conversation that we were having, and the, the core idea was just that a lot of how these sorts of games are handled has changed mm -hmm. a lot. Working Designs as a company is dead. Yep. They're, they're dead, they're gone, they're not coming back. 
And while Vic Ireland is still doing stuff, he's not doing stuff that is notable within the public eye. Unless you are decidedly a diehard fan of gaming in general, you basically have no cognition of who Nick of who Vic Ireland even is, let alone what he's doing at this point in his career. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of in this position where a bunch of other people have stepped up to take the place of what working designs used to do. And a lot of those companies are just basically handling their own stuff directly. So you're kind of in a case where, you know, 20 years ago, (coughs) excuse me, a company like working designs would have done the publishing of other people's games. And now these days, more and more companies are trying to publish on their own. I mean, to be fair, Atlas stepped in and started doing that for a while, but even the companies Atlas was publishing for ended up going and publishing their own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead of other people publishing Marvelous's games, they just have Exceed, which is basically their Western arm, publishing their games for them. To the point where they've even taken Harvest Moon away from Natsume, or the games that were actually Harvest Moon, I should say, and given them back to their own publishing company under Exceed under the story of Seasons uh, license. Did they have they made any new Harvest Moons as of lately? I've not played a Harvest Moon. I thought Moon this franchise was discontinued to be honest. Do you, no. no. Um Harvest Moon still exists. Natsume actually was pimping something that they're developing and they made one I think a year or two ago. <clears throat> their in-house developed Harvest Moons are Eh, but hmm. for the most part, they seem to be—they seem to be doing something to try and revitalize that, which is, you know, it, it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not personally a fan of the stuff that's developed in-house from Natsume. They're not bad. I don't hate them. I just don't think they're especially good because it's—it's—it's it's, it's a, it's a franchise that's based off of somebody else's work, but they just own the name. But you know, good on them for trying. It is what it is. Yep. Um, but again, like you, you've got. They took. They released a, a Harvest Moon back in November. They released. They either just did release or just are about to release a story of seasons. So both franchises are doing stuff, more or less. Um, but it's just you've got a lot of people who used to be published independently are trying their luck at it because you know direct distribution is easier than it used to be. Um, the guy who made Shenmue. The, well, not even just him. Like that's that's a completely different can of different worms. Different topic. That's, yeah, yeah, this is true. yeah. That's, that's so involved. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, that, but... I threw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's like it's it's similar, but we're talking about like okay, Experience had a couple of their games, three of them, in fact, brought over to the U.S. by Nipponichi, and then said, you know what, we're going to publish our own shit. So they published Stranger of Sword City through both the Xbox Live Arcade and an updated version of it through the place for the PlayStation Vita. Um, Idea Factory originally was publishing all of their stuff through Niche Bonichi. Eventually just said, why don't we just publish our own stuff? And for the past couple of years, they've been doing exactly that. They published an updated version of Fairy Fencer F for the PlayStation 4 under their own banner. Hell, even Nipponichi started out with their games being published by Atlas in the U.S., then ended up jumping on board 
and saying, you know what, we're going to we're going to do our own stuff. And they've been publishing their own games and kind of working as an atlas ever since. And it's so many people have stepped in to take on that working designs role that like we, we don't necessarily miss them. But a lot of those people are, yeah, just jumping into a niche market. Mm -hmm. And as to why that happened, I don't think it was just changing interests of gamers. And that's kind of the problem. Like, we've created this weird meta-narrative where everybody got tired of JRPGs and just, just stopped playing them and whatever the fuck. And so all of a sudden, like, you know, JRPGs, like, fell out of favor or whatever. And it's, listen... JRPGs were never a popular genre. Never, ever. Ever, 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 ever. 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 And if somebody tells you that they were, they are either grossly misinformed or they are willfully lying to you. Let's, <laughs> let's clear the air on that 100% right now. JRPGs were never popular. Final Fantasy was popular. And shit that aped off of Final Fantasy was popular. Because if you look at the popular JRPGs that came out during the PlayStation 1 and to a certain extent the PlayStation 2 era, if they weren't developed by Square Enix, they were developed by people who were unashamedly ripping the fuck off of Square Enix. <laughs> Legend of Dragoon, anyone? Yeah, the Bouncer. Yeah, Bouncer was well, Square Enix, right, though. That was Square Enix, but... Yeah, but it's like the Le Legend of Dragoon was, was unashamedly a ripoff of... Final Fantasy-esque sort of stuff. And sure, that game was a success for Sony because it was ripping off Square Enix. You know, all of the Final Fantasies up until... I think even 13 was successful to a certain extent. Were, were successful in their own ways. But the thing is, like, the side Final Fantasy games aren't necessarily successful. There's diminishing returns each time they release one. Yeah, the thing with, like... Sorry. <laughs> like the, no, it's fine. Like the, all the other games that Square Enix releases are hit and miss with their success rates. Like you know, the world ends with you was a success, sure. Kingdom Hearts was a success, absolutely. Uh, Final Fantasy X-2, eh? The the the, the spinoffs from twelve and from thirteen, eh? eh? You know, they re-released they they re-released Valkyrie Profile, a game that was considered to be an amazing piece of work, had a huge cult following. And nobody fucking bought it a second time. Well, wasn't Despite it also on the PS? Wasn't it on the PSP when it was re-released the first time? Sh sure. Yeah, but, but Monster Hunter has moved multiple millions of units on the PSP. That doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nobody, nobody bought Valkyrie Profile because JRPGs are not popular. Final Fantasy and things that were aping from Final Fantasy were popular. Persona One was a niche game. Persona, both Persona Twos have always been niche games. Even when Atlas re-released them, they were fucking niche games. Persona 3 and all of the SMT games prior to that were niche games. Mm. Absolutely. It, I was actually going to say that Shin Megami Tensei was definitely one of those niche games. The same thing with uh, Ys, which is another great series that I absolutely okay. loved. So then would you sure. say that my my my, uh, my statement about the, uh, the swapping of, let's say, two genres, uh, trading places like the Western RPG... Uh, and the JRPG switching places in terms of popularity, one becoming niche and niche, and uh, the other one becoming more mainstream. Would you say that was inaccurate? I would say that it's inaccurate to the extent that 
JRPGs never stopped being successful because, for the most part, they never started being successful. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a fair assessment to say that JRPGs were popular, but in reality, Final Fantasy games were popular. Because if you look mm-hmm. at the at the games that aren't Final Fantasy that did you know a million plus sales, those numbers are not great. It's like Xenosaga and the, the games associated with that, which basically just a fucking Final Fantasy ripoff. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Xenogears, but yeah, definitely a little bit of a Final Fantasy ripoff. But well, I, I thought Xenogears is its own is its own animal. By that point, you're getting into action RPG territory, and I'm not getting into that. No. <laughs> um, but like we're just talking like traditional RPG type stuff. Like you gotcha. know, for for every for every Xenogears. Um, I'm sorry, for every Xenosaga that comes out that is successful, th- there are ten Shadow Hearts that are not even close. Mm. And the only thing to come out and make a dent at this point outside of that has been Persona 4 and presumably Persona 5. Individual games will be a success. JRPGs, by and large, might make a company enough money to stave off you know, bankruptcy. But again... If JRPGs were any degree of success or popul had any degree of success or popularity, why did Working Designs go out of business in like two games? Mm-hmm. It's Western RPGs took off because they do something that gamers like at this point. They they take the concepts that worked in the old school Western RPGs that we loved growing up, the Fallout's, the the Ultimas. The you know like the 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 bard's tales the wizardries whatever <laughs> they take those core narrative concepts and apply them to engines that are mechanically very simplistic and allow for you know more freedom of interaction. If you look at the successful Western RPGs that are out there on the market, it's you know th- there's an illusion of player freedom or an illusion of player impact or whatever, and like there's a lot of openness to them, but like they they all kind of sort of bite into the same apple. You know, you can compare Fallout 4 to Mass Effect Andromeda to The Witcher 3, and regardless of the variable degree of quality of those games and your personal impressions of them, there are a lot of core concepts that are shared by all of those games. And all of those games will probably always be a success. All of those companies, all of those genres, franchises, however you want to put it, will be a success because they sort of tap into the same sort of raw, yeah, I like this mentality that, you know, first-person shooters do at this point. We are probably always going to make these games successes to varying degrees because they do something for us that we want. JRPGs will continue to be successful to a point, but only to that point. Something like a Persona or a Final Fantasy extends beyond that, but the rest of the JRPGs that exist are still using the same fucking templates that we've been using for three decades that mm. nobody has been buying for three fucking decades. <laughs> you know, it's... I don't I don't even know what to say insofar as that goes. Like, the Tales series is successful to a point, but... Show me the highest-selling Tales game, and I will I will casually make jerk-off motions at it as I show you the lowest-selling Final Fantasy game released after 7. Because it's, it's not even a comparable number. Like, 
Final Fantasy anything, like, well, main, main line Final Fantasy anything, I should say. Dwarfs anything by Tales by an order of magnitude, if not more. Oh, yeah. It's, well, what would you say about Symphonia? I'm sure Symphonia did good numbers. I don't think it did Final Fantasy numbers. I'm pretty damn yeah. positive of that fact. Well, yeah, that's eh, yeah, that's actually pretty, very, very well. It yeah. would be also hard to con- uh, get uh, accurate numbers for that, considering it was re-released twice. I'll be honest, dude. You could add up all of the total sales records of all three of those releases, and it still wouldn't it still come close. Wouldn't, it still wouldn't touch it. No, you're True. not. Even if they moved a million units each time somehow, which I honestly, from how reticent Bandai Namco has been to release those games. I would be honestly fucking surprised if they pulled those kind of numbers. If you if you put all those numbers together, it still would not touch the lowest selling modern Final Fantasy game released. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, at the end of the day, like the highest selling of those games was what Final Fantasy VII with 11 million copies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Bethesda has seen pretty close to those kind of sales in their games so it's it's we're at this point where jrpgs are pop like aren't popular final fantasy games are popular but you know they were never in a position where they were drawing like you know 10 15 20 million units the highest selling one you've got is final fantasy 7 which is at 11 Mm. Mm -hmm. so it's all a matter of perspective i think perspective okay well Keith, your thoughts? <laughs> Pretty much my thoughts on the matter it is, so I'm a little bit of the uh, the obscure view on this one, is because I have played some of the more traditional Japanese RPGs, which I liked, but like Mark was saying, is that is an extreme niche for that one in particular, but I was always turned on to the Final Fantasies, and then you had those Tales games, and of course then, then you had... Um, all those different variations and whatnot for it, but they were always made by Square Enix. So pretty much you had like Chrono Trigger, you had all those and whatnot. Uh, Dragon Quest, I love those game, that game series. So I was more acquainted to those, and I actually really, really like, but again, even Mark said it, that it's kind of like the same template no matter which one it is, but again, I really like those series. And then, like you said, Western RPGs kind of drew me a little bit more in because I liked a little bit more of the story. I liked a little bit more of the openness because the J- the JRPGs were kind of very, very um, very singular. Like, you only have like this one path, so to say, to keep on going on. So I'm a little bit of more of the obscure uh, view on this one, if you ask me. But I think that it just kind of, not so much evolved, but like you said, the traditional, traditional Japanese RPGs, they're always going to have their niche audience, but the ones that we grew up with that we were more in tune to thinking that they were classic RPGs, they kind of fade. Not so much they faded out, but they kind of evolved because really people got. I thought that people got bored with them. I know I sure shit got bored with it. Okay, so I guess in the end, like Mark said, it definitely comes down to perspective. Um, do you think there is a chance now, Mark? Even though you said, yeah, JRPGs never popular. I, I, I can agree with you on that. I mean, granted, to me, I always feel like that they're definitely more popular than I... Th- I, 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 I'm i I'm probably giving them... Uh, 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 Use your words, Hubs. I, I, uh, I, me? Words? What? Um, 
Um, I'm probably thinking of, of the JRPG as, when I mean by mainstream, when I was calling it that, I wasn't like really saying it was like a multi-million uh, system seller, because obviously, I mean, some of my favorite RPGs uh, were never multi-million uh, or even million game sellers to begin with, but at the same time, you still have games out there that um, were obviously like multi-million sellers, like you have your first-person shooters, you got the sports games, you've got, I mean, your your uh, your, adve- your adventure games, anything that's pretty much either Zelda or Mario, Grand Theft Auto, um, anything like that is obviously going to be more mainstream and more popular than an RP- JRPG. But I still think, in the long run, that the 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 genre uh, is. Can I can I can I ask you a question? Yes. Is this going to be a long story? <laughs> I'm trying to get my my my. Uh, I I I had something Relax. definitely. Breathe. I get I get the point that you're making here. No, JRPGs are not going to ever compete with those games. I'm not. That's not actually not what I was trying to say. I was trying to say if you think they're going to actually get beyond the point where they are uh, bigger in regards to like popularity, not compete directly with you know the games that are obviously always going to be monsters of the uh, video game industry. Like, do you think case by case basis? Sure, because look at look at the hype for Persona Five for shit's sake. You know. We, we went from Persona 3, which literally only people like me gave a shit about, to Persona 4, which some people outside of people like me gave a shit about, to Persona 4 Golden, which got us to a point where we've got like multiple fighting games, a goddamn anime series, all this other shit. And now you've got Persona 5, which look at all of the people who are exploding for this. We went from Persona 3 being a game that... GameSpot would hand off to one of their like scrub interns to do two weeks after the game came out to Persona 5, which is getting like major fucking review coverage within days of it coming out. You know, mm-hmm. Persona and probably the SMT games by extension will almost certainly hold on to that level of popularity for a while, so long as Atlas keeps their shit in order. Uh, Fire Emblem managed to come into a great formula of, for lack of a better way of describing it, giving weebs what they want. And, you know, those games will probably be popular for a while. Uh, So long as Square Enix doesn't go out of business, the Final Fantasy franchise will probably stay popular for a while. Do I ever think that Nippon Ichi will ever get a game to that level of popularity? Fuck no. (laughs) I don't think JRPGs in general are going to get to that level because <clears throat> there are just too many developers that are content, you know, selling games to 500,000 people because it's it's easier than trying to consistently reinnovate or because they are content releasing, you know, stuff that does not appeal to the mainstream purposefully. I don't think a company like Idea Factory or a company like Nipponichi or a company like Exceed is going to see a JRPG that they publish crack a million. Uh, and if they do, I would be astonished and surprised. But I don't think that they are aiming for that necessarily. Would it be nice if it happened? Sure. But they are aiming for a different type of market that is underrepresented and that is smaller, but that is going to consistently make them money. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I think the companies like like I don't think Atlas ever expected to be where they are right now in the West. 
So, you know, stranger things have happened. Lord knows it could happen. But by and large, I think you're probably going to see Atlas and Square Enix be the, the, the popularity juggernauts as far as this goes with JRPGs. And everybody else is probably just going to, you know, do sub 1 million, probably sub 500,000 sales on their games. And they'll be fine with that. Okay. Um, to be truthfully honest, I think that's a really good place to end the show on with uh, with Mm-mm. with uh, uh oh. Nope. No, nope. no, no. What are your thoughts? You keep going. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have thoughts on that. I, I actually, I forewent it in the beginning of the show because there was like nobody here to really, you know, listen to it. So I wanted to take some time now to actually talk a bit about Persona Five. Okay, so you want to talk about? It. Okay, so uh, topical discussion is now over with. So let us let's hear it, Mark. Tell us about Persona. <sighs> I don't even know where to begin with this game. Um, I would say Persona 5 is going to be one of those kinds of games that is almost certainly going to be a big hype machine. I like it quite a bit, and I'm willing to say it's probably going to be my game of the year for 2017. Wow. Wow. But whether or not it's going to be the game that everybody wants it to be after Persona 4 Golden, that I'm not 100% sure about. Mm. Most everything about the game is a straight-up <laughs> improvement. Let's, let's just start from there. The, the, the engine has been immensely overhauled. When characters animate and articulate and gesticulate, you actually see legitimate animation instead of block hands and painted on faces, which is, I think, a big deal. When characters are talking to one another, the, the, the mouths on their models actually move. That's good. When they, when they move their hands and stuff, you can see like definition of individual fingers and, and things like that. Hair has actual mobility now character animations in general are much more fluid and purposeful just the the game is not going to be a technical marvel on the playstation 4 Uh, and i i don't even necessarily know if it's a technical marvel on the playstation 3 although that's not the version i'm playing but it is artistically a joy everything i have seen from the game so far has been just artistically immaculate just well conceived well put together well structured just so many great ideas are put into play here from a visual artistry standpoint that it's 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 hard to not walk away from the game at least a little impressed okay orally they've changed up the aesthetic a bit like the the first game kind of sort of had like a, a rap hip hop vibe to it whereas Persona 4 I don't really know 100% where they were going with that orally like they they definitely like had like you know their guitar heavy tracks and things like that here I I think Persona 4 was like a little bit more jazzy in a lot of respects here I think there's there's definitely some jazz and disco elements to it so you you can hear the sounds that you expect to from it 
but it, it also feels like a new and different thing. And I haven't heard Lotus Juice at all in the soundtrack. I'm, I'm sure he's there somewhere, but I just haven't caught him yet. So I don't know if they've abandoned the idea of rap altogether for this game or what. I don't know. No but idea. That, that sounds like <laughs> something I would have a problem getting into RPGs with like weird soundtracks. Uh, it's not a weird soundtrack. It is a great soundtrack, sir. Okay. I'll take your word for it because I haven't played it. I, the thing is, mechanically, the game changes a lot from what you would expect. It's, how do I put this? The, the core of combat is the same. The core of dungeon navigation is far and away not. In Persona 3 and Persona 4, it was kind of a behind-the-back, sort of top-down perspective. You were running through the dungeon. You mm -hmm. would happen upon a shadow, and you would brain it with your sword, or it would attack you, and then you would get into battle. Here, the dungeons are designed to be a specific way, because the game wants you to work off of its stealth mechanics. If monsters see you coming, that is a bad thing. They will up the alarm rating in the particular dungeon which makes the dungeon harder as you go and if the alarm rating hits 100% you get kicked the fuck out <laughs> that, so that what you have to weird. do is like well you, what you have to do is you have to hide behind objects in the environment and jump out at monsters to surprise them Metal Gear Persona surprise. they they make it decidedly more structured than Metal Gear. Like, you can immediately snap to a hiding spot and wait. As soon as an enemy is in range, it'll, like, have a little red target pop up on it to indicate that you can instantly jump out and engage in battle with it. It's much easier to work with, but it's a way that makes dungeon navigation more interactive. Like, you're not just running through the damn dungeon, beating everything to death, and, like, just trying to get to the end. It's not just the grind. Right, they're trying to make the combat and the mechanics of navigating the dungeon interesting. I don't 100% know if they succeed, because there are definitely points where I don't know that I would want to be bothered in the late game with navigating the dungeon in that way, which was a problem I had with Tokyo Mirage Sessions to a certain extent. Like, making the dungeons that interactive got annoying after a while, so I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to feel about that here as well. But I feel like it's a novel attempt, if nothing else. The main thing that's interesting to me about this game, though, is how they handle the story. Like, in Persona 3, you're just this kid who shows up uh, amongst all of these other kids, and you just, like, go through your life doing the Persona shit. In Persona 4, you're just this kid who shows up and, like, starts making friends and going through the Persona shit. And, you know, people like you, and it's kind of like, oh, well, whatever, blah, blah, blah. In Persona 5, you decidedly start out under the gun. Your, your character has committed a crime, and everybody knows it. You're on probation for that. Your life is fucked. Yeah, your, your, your life is fucked. Your life is fucked. That's the simplest way to explain it. <laughs> mm -hmm. you're, you're on probation for a year, living with, I guess, a friend of the family. Like the, How that role works is not really explained. The, the crime that you have committed is basically one of doing the right thing and getting fucked for it. It's complicated. So he's trying but, to be Batman. <laughs> sort of. Not exactly. But <laughs> more or less what happens is they actually use that as a structure for how the game works. 
in Persona 3 and Persona 4, you had rigidly dictated endpoints and end statuses based on the environment of the game. In Persona 3, you had until X day, the day before the full moon, to clear out all of the floors of Tartarus. If you got to that day before and you didn't do it, they would just give you the ability to just run through pretty much and just get it the fuck over with. But you needed to do it or you would fail at whatever task was assigned. And then there would be a boss fight every full moon. Hmm. In Persona 4, a friend or whatever would get dumped into the TV and you would have to go save them. And you would have X amount of time until the fog came. And if the fog came and you hadn't saved them, they would die in the TV world. Here, they change it up based on the individual circumstance. So in the first case, the, per the, the entity that you are dealing with is like, I'm going to have you expelled from school at the next staff meeting. <laughs> and you have until that staff meeting happens, and if you don't do it, you're expelled and the game is over. Like, you don't, you're not going to die, nobody's going to die, you're going to get thrown out of school <laughs> and the game's over. So you just become a loser. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, the, the second time, it's like, well... Um, I'm going to press charges against you for, you know, breaking and entering in my house or whatever. Um, but, like, he's not going to do it because there are events going on up until the events are finished. So you have until those events are finished to fix the situation or you're going to get expelled and go to jail. <laughs> so basically well, your life is fucked and the, uh, the end game is you become a loser at the end. So wait, is <laughs> no, it... So is this a video game, or are you playing real life here? Well, no, this is, this is decidedly a video game, because you can, you can go into the hearts of these people and steal their hearts in order to make them see the error of their ways. <laughs> it's like, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to begin that on that. That, that's, that just sounds so freaking weird. They make it work, trust me. I can't go into extensive detail just because I think it would ruin a lot of the experience, but they really make it work. There's a lot going on here that is just easy to like. Okay, so so what would you definitely say about this game, Mark? Uh, 10 out of 10, like Skyrim, but with uh, more awesomeness? I didn't think Skyrim was a 10 out of 10 in any case, but... I'm just... Uh, I'm, I'm actually making fun... I'm just kind of quoting uh, 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 if video game companies were honest with us. If you ever see that uh, Gaming Wildlife video series? I have not. No? Okay. They do a, they do a video where it spoofs on uh, GameSpot. So, yeah, that's that's where I got that from. So, anyway, <laughs> you're, 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 I mean, you said it's definitely going towards being Game of, your year, of the Year mark for you. I I suspect that unless like some kind of a miracle happens, this will probably be my game of the year. I it's not a perfect game. I, I really do like a lot of the subtle changes that they've made to simple things about the franchise that like, you know, really work effectively and interestingly. Mm -hmm. But there are there are definitely things that, you know, that are not ideal. I'm not a hundred percent through the game, obviously, so I can't I can't speak on it 100%, but right now I would say it's probably going to be the best game that comes out this year, for me personally. Alright, so I think we will uh, end the show on that note, unless anybody else has anything they would like to talk about. 
Uh, no, I think we pretty much uh, covered the good amount of the stuff. I'm kind of boring when it comes to gaming, as much as uh, it's Unless it's, it's Zelda. Me, but I was about to say, but I'm balls deep in Zelda, so it's kind of like everything else is kind of taking the back seat at the second. That sounds like the name of a really, really bad hentai. Balls deep in Zelda. Balls deep in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> all right so anyway um i want to thank everybody <laughs> i want to thank everybody for tuning in uh mark and uh keith thank you so much for uh joining me tonight oh, and um thank you and uh i want to just say i hope emily is having a good time she probably is down up in florida and uh hopefully she'll return to us uh make the show interesting again um there's really not much to say. I'd say the next show is actually happening on April 17th. So uh, next Game Jam is coming up this Wednesday at 9 p.m. And we have another three vets and a noob going down on Thursday at 9 p.m. Right here on this uh, same Twitch channel. So I want to thank everybody for... Uh, for Well, I already thanked everybody for tuning in. Actually, you know, real quick, uh, Mark is... Uh, your stream uh, now st uh, back to being weekly on Saturdays? Um, it depends. We did one not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before that, and like nobody showed up. So, um, I'm somebody. I didn't. Okay, nobody but you showed up. <laughs> um, so it depends at this point. I did not do one this past Saturday just because I had stuff going on. Uh, and I'm not doing one this Saturday because we're doing a, a board game night. So, yep. like, you know, it, it, it really depends on what's going on on a week-to-week -week basis. I can't definitively commit right now. I may end up just reassigning it to a different day, like possibly at some point during the week. I haven't decided. Uh, we'll figure it out. All right. Thank you very much for Mighty Midget Porn. We, we don't care about that crap. Anyway. <laughs> All right, hold up. What did I just do? Okay, there you go. Okay, got rid of him. That that what the hell was that all about? Anyway, so <laughs> I got I just saw the most ob ob obscure reference in my in my stream chat. Okay, so I'm sorry, Mark. Could you uh, just say that one last time? Just the last half of that. Um, I might switch to a different day. I haven't decided yet. Okay. Uh, how about you, Keith? Is uh, your stream going to be restarting soon? Uh, I do not have an answer at the second. It's one of those. Um, still evaluating a bunch of stuff on where I'm going to actually go with this. But right now, I'm just kind of like the freelance. I'll go to whichever show takes me at this point to talk about games. Hey, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Absolutely hey. none. I love it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I'm just not... I'm figuring out this this is what i'm figuring out i'm figuring out the legend of zelda right now <laughs> okay so anyway uh yeah so that that's it for getting gvn live so thank you for tuning in you guys have yourself a wonderful night thank you all